got. Let me update the privacy. Everybody out. Amazing how yesterday looked like a dead gone blizzard. I don't know about y'all, but crazy. Crazy blizzard weather. Wind blowing snow. Now it looks all beautiful. That's April weather though. We're gonna do a couple of songs here. And if you guys want to stand, I will tell you about this one song. I was talking to him this morning, and uh, one of the words I didn't like, but Jeff kind of, he lined me out. Jeff, I, I told him. Today he said, I hate it when everybody's right, and I'm not. It's called Come to the Altar. And you know how I think on that and I said why don't we change the words to come to Jesus and he said well I think everybody here knows and you know that's what I'm thankful about I believe everybody here knows that the altar is the man himself Christ Jesus our Lord it's, it's not about coming to the front of the church it's about coming to him I mean I was talking to a guy this morning they was talking about salvation and they were talking about salvation as a thing. And I said, let me tell you something. Salvation is a person. His name is Jesus. I mean, and that's who this whole thing is about. It's not a thing. It's a person. And it's very, very personal. So when we, we sing this song and it says, come to the altar. I mean, his arms are open wide. Altars don't open their arms. It's a person named Jesus. And what I read in the scripture, the doors are always open and we can come boldly to the throne of grace to seek mercy and help in the time of need. And we'll talk about that more as we get into our sermon, but I, do, I love this song. It's a beautiful song, but I just want you to know that Jesus is the altar.
slip to sin I want to know my being born again I need you God I need you so take me to the riverside Take me under baptized I need you God I need you You're forgiveness Like sweet, sweet honey Show away my 
in every area for us and so today you know we're thankful for the blood of Jesus so thankful that he would love us enough that he would shed his precious blood for us there's nothing that compares to the blood of Jesus to the love of our Heavenly Father and you know that love caused him to pour out his blood to become that perfect sacrifice for us so, because we couldn't go to him. There was a gulf fix that we could not cross without the blood of Jesus. And so today, you know, we are so, so grateful for the blood of Jesus. awesome you know it's uh, I'll tell you this before I get into the what I've got you know we've become a little family up here and I appreciate that I appreciate that but I want to also share something with you that caught my mind this morning you know sometimes when when you have a family gathering 
and somebody else comes in, they don't feel like they're part of the, they feel like they're crashing. You, you know what I mean? And that's, that's something for us to be aware of instead of just being a, a family. But when, when somebody else comes, it's like they're a long lost member of the family. Somebody you haven't seen in a long time, and you, and you greet them as such. And I, I can tell you, I'm just going to share this with you. Tim came up here. He's been coming up here for a while. and Sometimes Tim would see me up here, and he'd stop by and talk. And, and, and he, he would say, Jimmy, he said, I don't feel any condemnation up here. And, you know, that just made me feel so good. And I want to share this with you. It brings tears to my eyes. How many prayers have we prayed for Dot? And here she is set with her son. What a blessing. What a blessing. Good to see y'all. It's pretty awesome, ain't it, Tim? Pretty awesome to have your son set beside of you, ain't it? Yeah. It's amazing what can come out and I know this was Jack's prayer Jack ministered to many people but I can tell you as a dad he loved none other than his son and all of his prayers were for his children and here they are and Jack knows Jack is watching your dad knows this very moment he does. It's the wonder of the gospel. It's the real gospel. You know? Sometimes I wondered if I'd ever see it. And I mean, I've prayed it many, many times. And Tim knows, sitting right there in the parking lot. Tim, you and your mommy. And you know, none can bring together like the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What a bond. I'm, I'm thankful. Makes my heart glad. Makes my heart glad. What an adventure that we're on in Jesus. I had to share that. Freedom from the tyranny of circumstances because it all goes together. Part four, and I'm gonna I want to read this to you. Where we've been for a long time. I'm gonna read a little bit more. Philippians chapter one, verse twelve. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add to my affliction, uh, to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice. Yea, I will rejoice. I therein do rejoice and I will rejoice. 
Paul's sitting there in chains, at bonds. He's in jail. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. You know, when I have to look at that, I think, was Paul not already saved? Maybe there was something else Paul was talking about right here. Through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. Christ would be magnified in my body. Now remember, Paul's in jail here. Paul's been in jail for four years. He's chained to a Roman soldier when he writes this letter to the Philippians. The Philippians are upset because they think the, the gospel's been stymied. It's been, it, 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 you know, everybody's at peace now. We've hushed the gospel up. But remember we talked last week what the gospel really is. I mean, the gospel is so much more than what we were told. I mean, my goodness, go to heaven when you die. I mean, what is that? I mean, do you realize that Christ Jesus has joined himself to you now? See, they couldn't get it. I mean, they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't imagine that God would join it, that God would put on human flesh and come and, and, and live among us and then, uh, you know, die on the cross and be raised again and ascend. And not only it, when he went back, he didn't go back alone. He carried us with him. He, he's joined himself to us through the Holy Spirit. We are one with him and he's one with us. And this is, this is now. This is now. See, we get, we don't even realize this. I'm going to tell you something. We get so used to having the Holy Spirit, we don't even realize He's there. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Imagine being back over in those days. They looked forward to, they looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. They looked for the time that we live in, that you would be filled with God Himself. That you would be in him and him in you. And not only that. God. Now listen to this. God shares in our experiences. And our, and our thoughts. And we're sharing in the experiences of God. The purpose of God uh, you're inside of the purpose of God. And the purpose of God is inside of you. I mean, because it, it, it's Him. And when, and when I... This is... It, sometimes it's hard. And, and I, I thought about this this morning. It's, I said, you know, sometimes it seems like you say the same thing every week. Do you realize how long it was that God had given Moses the tabernacle and the law and they went through the feast of Passover? How many years that was? Probably 1,500 years over and over and over and over again. How many times I've heard certain things until the day star rises in your heart, until, until the revelation comes, until the light bulb comes on. Wow, Christ really does live in me. Wait a minute, He really does love me. 
I'm telling you, the religious world does not know that. They live in anxiety because they don't really realize, no matter what, Tim, he loves me. That's it. It's done. Nothing I, you know, he loved me before I was even here, and there's nothing I can do to change it. I, you know, people say, well, God changes not. Amen, he changes not, and he is love. What can you do with that? I mean, this gospel is good news, and love has joined himself to us. Carried us, I told you, into the kitchen table. We, we, kitchen table fellowship. You know what kitchen table fellowship is. You know, that's where we sit around and, and laugh and, and joke and, and, and just, just talk like ourselves here. No formalities. But you look at Paul and you say, wait a minute, Paul, how can you, how can you say this is going to be uh, for my salvation or my deliverance? Wait a minute, Paul, you're in jail. Paul says, no. It may look like that to you, but I'm in Christ and, uh, who's inside of God. Well, why, Paul, are you in jail? He tells us to make manifest the purpose of God, which is to shed abroad in this place the love of God, the triumph of God, the victory of God. Over all evil and to bring to pass the purpose of God. By bringing to himself more sons and daughters. And Paul says also that in this very place I am constantly being supplied with divine life and divine ability and divine wisdom. I'm constantly being supplied, he says, by the, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm in this place because God wants to be in this place because He has people in this place that He wants to draw them to the table. Draw them to the table. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, I mean, we get told in the church, well, don't hang around them people. Oh, get away from them people. They'll ruin you. They'll ruin you. That's what got him about Jesus. He ate with publicans and sinners. My goodness, they said, if he knew what manner of man it was that's washing his feet, he'd have, I mean, my goodness, she's, we know who she is. Oh, my goodness. Could, I mean, this, it's, it's amazing, amazing grace. It's, a, it's amazing love. God, that, that God, I mean, do you ever just think of the awesomeness of this, that God who, every time I go out at night, and Tracy will tell you, every time I go out, I love to look at the stars. I'll say, hey, baby, there's Cassiopeia. There's, you know, the Big Dipper. There's Jupiter. And there's, he's like, yeah, yeah. And I think the God that made them, that made Orion, has joined himself to me. Do you believe that? That he lives inside of me and I live inside of him. And if I make my bed in hell, oh, the Lord is there. I mean, Kathy was showing a little t-ball game of, of Taylor over there. And, and, and do you realize it? they're there watching? They're watching Taylor play t-ball in Christ and Christ in you. And that Christ Jesus himself, the maker of Jupiter and Venus, is watching a little girl play t-ball. And he's enjoying it and laughing and having. We can't see, oh, God is too busy. He's too holy. He's too... Do you, I mean, they, they did that with Jesus. They said, oh, don't let the little children come around him. Don't let the children get around him. He said, suffer it to be so, for such is the kingdom. And he put little children on his lap. And he's probably bouncing them up and down. And he's probably thumb wrestling with them. And 
That's it. Oh, no, it's too holy. We got, we, we got a thus and thou and this and all of this. And he said, no, let the kids come. Except you become as a little child, you can no wise enter the kingdom. He's joined himself. And you know what amazes me is I could, I could maybe comprehend if he joined himself to Billy Graham. But he's joined him. I don't know about you, but I'm ordinary folk. You know, I'm shire folk. You know, you, you know, Lord of the Rings live in the shire. I'm common folk. God has joined himself to common folk, man. I mean, we're common folk. I can remember being in the Marine Corps, and, every, and one of the questions is, where are you from? Where are you? And people's like, well, I'm Columbus, Ohio. I'm from Philadelphia. Well, I'm from Tazewell. What? Where is Tazewell? Common folk live in Tazewell. He's joined himself to us. You, you've been called up into the life of God. You know what that does? That gives you eternal significance. There's no more little people. There's people who are joined to the Holy Trinity. And that gives you such meaning, such importance. This isn't cold doctrine, guys. This is life. This is life. This is eternal life. It means when you, when you stood in line at the grocery store, you're in God and God's in you and God's experiencing standing in line at the grocery store and you. Do, do you realize that? I mean, he didn't say, I'll wait on you in the car. I mean, we forget that sometimes, you know. There's a, I don't know about you, there's a lot of ministry that happens in Walmart grocery line. But I know if they're following me around for ministry, it's got to be fast because I'm on the move in there, Tim. I'm, I'm setting the world record in and out, in and out. But I want you to get, I mean, I've been in there before sometimes and, and it's just, it's ministry after ministry. It's ministry, and I'm, you know, just. I know the other day, and you know, I told you I'm learning this as a guy. I went in there the other day, and I was, I was looking for a can opener, and I had to go to Walmart's twice, and Tracy had to show me where the can opener was at because I was over there, and there must have been some people doing some heavy ministering because I couldn't even get down the aisle. And so I went around this way, and they're still ministering. Went around this way. They, you know, I don't really think they was ministering, but I thought, goodness gracious, I just need to get a can opener. It's right over there. I couldn't even get to it. I had the whole aisle blocked off. But now, I want to tell you something. You know, people say, well, God is here, God is here. I, I want to tell you something. If that's all you have, that's, that's Old Testament. Where is God not? But Jesus came, he died, he, he was buried, he rose again, he ascended and carried us with him. Now, this is, this is hard, but I, I've got to... I mean, we... we We've started the adventure of heaven already. I want you to listen to this. We say this all the time. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. And hath raised us up together. Hath raised us up together. You know when you put an ED on the end of a word, that's past tense in the English language. Which means you've already been raised. 
raised us up. So you know what? You and I have been raised up together as one. And made us, us, all of us, do what? Sit together. We're at. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Set. You know what set means? Set means the work is done. It's finished. This is what he did. Now you didn't do this. I mean, he raised you up. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, God, he loved us and, and gave himself for us. Even when we were dead. Even when we crucified him and said, we will not have this man rule over us. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Even when we run from him, he has hunted us down. Goodness and mercy has hunted us down. And you can't outrun his goodness. You can't. You can. Made us sit together in heaven. I'm telling you, you have already began heaven. And, and I know people say, well, does that mean there's not a better place? I, no, I didn't, I didn't say that. It gets, I mean, Paul was in jail. But Paul says, my jail is in Christ. In Christ I'm here, and I'm here that the glory of God might be made manifest. God may be magnified in my body, whether it be in life or death. I mean, what a, what a statement. And then he writes to the Colossians and says this. Oh, my goodness. See, people, people want to go through the Bible like Martin Luther wanted to take the book of James out and, and because they don't see it. And there's a lot of people leave these scriptures out right here. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, And in him, he's talking about Christ, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All of God is in Jesus Christ. And that's next verse. Verse 10. And ye, that's you, are what? Complete in Him. You know what complete means? There's nothing more to be added to. There's nothing that needs to be taken away. It's complete. You're, you're complete. You're, you're, you're whole in in Him. I mean, what an amazing thing. And, and some people, you hear these religious things. They say, well, you know, uh, God knows my thoughts. And they, they really kind of say, they say that really like big brothers watching. You know, like the Santa Claus. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He, he, they, they say he knows your thoughts like he's an observer sitting in heaven, uh, in the bleachers of heaven somewhere. He's watching. That's not it, guys. Uh, Jesus has come and, and you ascended when he ascended. He knows your thoughts because you thank your thoughts in him. Do you get that? You thank your thoughts in him. That's why he knows do you know this? He knows how you feel. And, and, and when, I say, when I say that he knows how you feel, uh, that's really not enough. He knows because he's feeling it in you. He, 
Do you, do you get that? He's, he knows your feelings because he's feeling them in you. I mean, what a high priest that we have. He's, he's, he's with you in it now. He's not on the outside over there. He's, he's with you in it now. Huh. It's, I, I just can't, it, it's not a he went through it, he's got the t-shirt. See, we used to think, well, he experienced everything that we experienced, and now he's over there, and he, he hollers back at you, and, 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 you know, he says, hey, I know what you're going through, I've been there. No, he's in it. He's there with you right in this very moment, going through it with you. I mean, it, yeah. Standing in the grocery line with you, what uh, you know? Why, why? In order to bring into that place some facet of the glory of God, just by being there. I don't, you know. I, I tell this all the time, and I'll say it again. People come to church and they want to get a blessing when they come to church, but he didn't say Abraham. You're going to get a blessing. He said, you will be a blessing. There's a big difference. You are a bearer of the blessing. And that bearer, uh, uh, the blessing is the seed. And the seed is Christ Jesus. And those that be in Christ are Christ. So here you go. You're the bearer of the blessing to the world. So it's not you get a blessing. You're the bringer of the blessing. So when you're standing in the grocery line or wherever in the bank or wherever, it's God is wanting to bring His blessing into the place. I mean, I, I say this, and, and you know, Tracy, she works at the bank, and this is not to put anybody on the spot, but you know, there's they's been some people there uh, that she works with that you would never think would come to Christ. But all of a sudden now they are hinting around. You know what I mean? Because we think all of a sudden they got to come. But then all of a sudden here, here comes questions. Why is that? Because I know somebody's pricking their heart, aren't they? Somebody's pricking their heart. So you think, why is Tracy working at the brink? Because God is wanting to save somebody who's in that bank. I'm, I'm telling you, that, that's why you wherever you're at and whatever he, he, wherever you find yourself, that's why. We wonder, we think we just happen to have that job. You just think you happen to have a job at VDOT. Uh-uh, God wants to be in VDOT. He wants to be in VDOT because there's somebody right there because Christ is in you and he wants to be there. I mean, that's why, I mean, you know, Lauren and following her career path and doing those things. I'm going to tell you where it's going to lead you. It's going to lead you where Christ would have you to go. And that's just, you, you won't, you'll think you're making plans along the way. And you'll end up here and you'll end up there. And it'll, it'll happen with Reagan and DeVay. And, and that's, that's the way it'll work out. That's the way it's always worked out, isn't it? Because he's in us. Have you ever, uh, who is it that, that stops your train of thought and makes you realize that you're standing there in, in God at the grocery store, in the line at the grocery store, and, and there you become a little holy of holies in that place? 
He did. Why? Because you think your thoughts in Him. And I'm telling you, in the middle of your thoughts, have you ever just been in there, man, I want to get in the store, I want to get out as quickly as possible, and then all of a sudden, boom, He changes your mind, and He, he reminds you of something. Who is Why? Because he's, you're thinking your thoughts in Him, and He says, uh-uh, you came in here for some bread and peanut butter, but I have an agenda. And you turn the aisle, and lo and behold, ministry happens. I mean, who did that? Who's the orchestrator of this thing? He did. That's why Paul said, for me to live as Christ. And Paul is saying, in this situation, he says, I, I have his strength. And, and I want to tell you this. He doesn't give me strength. He doesn't come along and say, okay, I, here's strength. And uh, here, Joe, take some strength and drink some strength. He is it. He doesn't come along and say, well, here's some wisdom. Have some wisdom. He is the wisdom. And he's in me. And so when I feel weak, he's feeling my weakness. Therefore, he, he's my strength. Do you get that? Paul said, I, therefore, I glory in my infirmities. Because he feels my infirmities. I used to think over and over and over again, and it still plagues me sometimes. That I would say, God, why did you pick me? I must be the weakest, stupidest person in the entire world. Why didn't you pick somebody else that's got it all together? There he is, feeling my weakness. And in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. I'm telling you, the more... the. This is really kind of crazy, and I don't even know if I'll get the words out right, but the more broken a person is, the more Christ can be manifest in that person. It's kind of crazy in a sense. But really, once you see yourself in the light of Christ, you realize you're a pretty messed up, broken person. And I want to tell you what, I used to think, and, and there's a lot of people preach this, they, they, they say, well, you got to go love everybody. Listen, I can't love anybody. He is my love. If he's my strength, he's my wisdom. He's my compassion. He's my love. It's not me loving them. It's him loving them through me. That's the only way. Because I'm in his love and his love is in me. I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30 said he's made unto us righteousness and wisdom and sanctification and wisdom. He's made unto us. He's made unto us that. I'm telling you, uh, a lot of people, and I know we, we get into a lot of things, and it's explained to us in things so that we could kind of comprehend it. We talk about inheritance. Well, let me tell you something. Let me bring it right down simple. Um, you are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. He inherited you, the heathen for his inheritance. If I was him, I'd be saying, God, you know, come on. Give me something else uh, besides all these heathens because they're going to crucify me. There's his. But, and you know what your inheritance is? You inherit him. You, in, you inherit him. I'm just going to run over there just, just a quick second. We'll talk about this way later. But... This is, this is a little bit of rabbit trail. I won't go down too far on this rabbit trail, but 
This is in Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Boy, we've heard that and butchered that many, many times. But I just want to say this real quick. I come quickly. This is Jesus talking. And my reward is with me. He's the reward. To give every man according as his work shall be. Whose work? His work. His work. I come to give the reward according to the work that he did. And what is the reward? He is. Abraham said it. He's my shield and my exceeding great reward. People think, okay, I did good and I get a reward and I get a bigger house than you get. He says, I'm it. I come quickly. I, I, I appear and there I am. And, and, and it's according to the work uh, that he's did. He's the reward. And you know what his reward is? You. Do you, do you get, we'll talk about that more later, but I mean, you're his reward and he's your reward. It almost makes it too simple, doesn't it? My goodness. We are in active fellowship inside of Jesus, inside of the Father, and it is. It, that, that's the way it is. And faith is the ising of it. Faith is the believing of it. I mean, that, that is. It's, it's finished. It's done. That's where you are. I mean, you could be feeling the worst. You could be feeling rage at the world and just anxiety and all of that mess. And then suddenly the reality, I'm in Christ and God in this moment. He's in me. And I'll and I tell you, Jesus is not a footnote, a footnote to life. He, you know, we talked about this dream of God uh, in the previous lessons, but you, you see life through the lens of the dream, dream of God that he would join himself to us forever, and he has. And Jesus shouted from the cross, guys, it's finished, and you can't add to it. It is. That's the way it is. So now I see all of life through that lens. It is so. I see life through the infinite passion, love, passion of the Father who sent His Son because of love. Who sent the Spirit to do what? Get a hold of you and join you to Him. I mean, what does He say? By my loving kindness have I drawn thee. See, people think they found Him. No, the, the Spirit has gotten a hold of you. And we have fought it and run from it and tried to push it away. But that grip, none can escape the grip of love that He has. We're at this moment setting in God and it is so so, so you say, Paul, you're, you know, you're in jail, Paul. And, and Paul says, well, I'm God's prisoner. I'm here for his agenda. And, my, and Paul's question is not to get out of jail. How do I get out of this mess? Not even how can I, uh, you know, get deliverance and get rescued like Peter did. It's not his mentality. 
His mentality is not, this shouldn't have happened. All I did was preach the gospel. No. It's, what are you doing here, Jesus? That was his mentality in the whole thing. What are you doing here, Jesus? What do you want me to be? What do you want to be in me and through me and by me in this jail? And I'm telling you, it, it fashions your attitude. Because if you realize, I want you to think, if you realize every day, you live in Christ and Christ lives in you. Jesus said, I'm in the Father, you're in me and I'm in you. And you realize every morning when you get up in the morning, Monday morning, everybody here has an agenda. But really, it's not your agenda. You may have to go to work and you'll go to VDOT and I'll go to the railroad and we'll think we're doing things. But listen, it's God's agenda. When we first get up, you want to know what a good prayer is. God, what, what is your agenda today? What would you have me to do today? And we think, well, you know, our mission field is to go to Africa. You know, my mission field is the railroad. You know, Neil's mission field is, is VDOT. Eugene don't have one. He retired. <laughs> His mission field is Linda. <laughs> Pray for Eugene. <laughs> we'll lay hands on you afterwards, brother. You, you, you understand here where, where, where I'm coming from. Wherever you are, you're, you're there as an ambassador of Christ in you, a holy of holies in that situation, wherever you, wherever you go. It fashions the way you, your attitude is about every day because we bounce through the world and we think, oh, I'm having a good day, good things have happened. I'm having a bad day, bad things have happened. Paul said, who cares about that stuff? I'm here that Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be in life or death. It's about Him. See, this is, this is not baby stuff here. Paul says, I, I know that you're praying for my deliverance. He tells them, the Philippians, I know you're praying for my deliverance. And, and that fascinates me because you would expect him to say, pray that I get out of here. I mean, look what he says in verse 19, 20, chapter 1, verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope. I got to ask here, Paul, what's your concept of deliverance? I mean, he says, uh, I know this shall turn to my salvation. That, that word there is really deliverance. I know this shall turn to my deliverance. And i got to say, Paul, what's your concept of deliverance? You said you're going to be delivered. You mean get out of jail? Paul says, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get out of jail or not. Remember, he's going to go, he's, he's, he's going to go stand before Nero. He doesn't know if he'll be Left in jail the rest of his life or head cut off or set on fire. He doesn't know and he doesn't really even care. What's Paul talking about? He says it right here. That in nothing, in verse 20, I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or whether by death. Paul says, that's deliverance to me. That's deliverance. And I find that strange because, guys, if I was in jail like he was, I'd be wanting a prayer chain, 
get me out of jail. Pray, you know, I'll be sending the angels like I did with Peter, get me out of here. I'm chained to a Roman guard, no privacy. Probably going to get my head cut off. I got to go stand before Nero. Let's get everybody together. Let's, let's do this. Get me out of here. That's our mentality, but it wasn't Paul's. Paul's not asking them to pray for him to get out of jail. Paul says that, he says, pray that I would be delivered from anything that would hinder me from having Christ Jesus be made manifest in this situation. In order that this too, this jail that I'm in, chained to this Roman guard, shall be the arena where Christ lives his life in me and by me and through me. That's the prayer. And I'm telling you guys, we live in a strange time, a strange time. Uh, you know up. I'm just going to throw this out there. Probably up until 1950s, through the 50s, the world or the West was Christianized. What I mean is when you went to school, you said the Lord's Prayer, and you even learned about Jesus in school. That didn't mean you was a Christian, but you knew something about Jesus. You knew something. You were Christianized, and there was a lot of Christians. Well, you know what? That's gone. The world, the West ain't even Christianized anymore. That's gone. We're living in the time of the apostles here. And now, even in the church, Jesus has become a footnote. It's something that you hear talked about on Sunday morning, maybe a Sunday night. You know, he gets an hour, hour and a half a week, and that's it. It's a footnote down at the bottom of the page. Somebody we're trying to please, maybe. He's, you know, do good for him. Go out and serve Jesus and go back and report on Sunday morning, you know, how you did and do all of that stuff. It's a footnote. But I'm telling you, he's everything. He's everything. He is all and in all. Do you get that? I mean, he is it. He's the reality in, in which I only have one prayer that I'll be delivered from anything that is within me and from, with, from without that will stop Jesus Christ from being glorified in me. And in that, that I'll be bold and won't be put to shame. Bold. I think about this word bold a lot. I've prayed that prayer. Many times, Lord, make me bold. And, and, and when I've prayed this prayer, guys, it's, it's came along. You know, sometimes prayers, I'll, I'll, if I could say it this way, are answered in stages. If I'm saying that right. You know, you'll get a little bit of it, then a little bit more of it, then a little bit more of it. As you can digest it, as you can comprehend it. Now, bold means, uh, and he says here, not put to shame. But, but listen to this. Bold means... A great freedom of speech. It means nothing held back to, to speak your heart without really thinking. It means not watching your words. He said the same thing to the Colossians and the Ephesians. But, he tells, he te but there he tells them what to pray. He says, pray that I'll be given utterance. That I may speak the word of God as I ought to speak. That I'll speak it with clarity. And it's, it's all contained in this word bold. And, and bold is, is freedom of speech. It's, it's right out of your heart. It's let it all hang out. It's, it's the same word is used to describe our relationship with the Father. It, 
It means to speak to God as your best friend. How many of you talk to God as he's your best friend? I'm going to tell you something here, and I I hesitate uh, a little bit, but it, it was so exciting to me. I mean, this is how real this stuff is. And I know you may think, well, he's crazy. He's hearing stuff. Well, I hope you hear stuff. Friday, you know, we get caught up in our own agendas and doing all this stuff. Well, I'm trying to learn how to can. Well, we did can yesterday, didn't we? We canned 18 quarts of deer meat. Ah, it was good, too. It was good. But anyway, I had to go buy me a canner. So I'm looking for a canner. Well, I can't find one anywhere. And I'm thinking, gosh, dog, it, I want to do some canning. And I can't find a canner. And I'm looking around. They don't have one. They can order it. They don't have one. They can order it. And finally, it dawns on me, Farm Bureau in Richlands. I call up Farm Bureau. Well, some of Tracy's kin folks work down there. Josephine, she. Yeah, we got canners. Come back here and see what they are. You know, she just don't even take the phone down. And, and you know, anyway, we get a canner. And, and I'm excited about it because, you know, I want to learn how to can. We canned before, but I never actually did the canning, you know. And I was just, you know, driving down the road, and I'm thinking, and, and you know, I said, Lord, and I just talked to Jesus going down the road. I don't know about you, but I just do. I, we just talk. And I said, Jesus, I want to thank you for being such a good friend. And I swan, you'll think I'm lying. He said, I want to thank you for being my friend. Now, how about them apples? You can't make that up. Can you imagine... I mean, see, this is conversation, guys. This is the real deal. Um, I wasn't sitting there, oh, God, forgive me, you know, all this other stuff. I'm talking about a canner dot. We're going to go can some deer meat, and Jesus tells me he's glad I'm his friend. This is the kind of Savior that we have. It's real and it's personal. It's right down in the dirt, Tim, is what I like to say. It's right down in the dirt. It just talks to you. And it brings tears to your eyes that Jesus tells you, thank you for being my friend. See, I'm wanting to tell him. But, but he stopped me even before I get the words out. He said, no, hang on. I want to thank you for being my friend. And that's what he said. Jesus even says, you're my friends. And friends can tell each other anything and be bold in it, can't they? Friends can just tell you, hey, that's an ugly shirt you got. Well, heck with you. But your friends, right? Your friends can just say things like that and just get away with it because you got a history together and it goes way back and it's, you're not worried about hurting somebody's feelings. It's friends and it's, that's boldness. Do you, do you understand? This is kitchen table stuff here. The formality is, is gone. I mean, we come boldly to the throne of grace. That's what that means. It means freely. It it means I can come to the Father and let it all spill out. You don't have to watch your words. You don't have to be formal. You can be frank. I'm telling you, me and God, or God and me, has had some conversations, Tim. I'm sure you have. And I I have let it all hang out. And I have thought sometimes he's probably going to squash me like a bug. 
for some of the things I've said. Because there's been times, I'm just telling you guys, I've been angry. And I have been upset. But I know now I can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can talk about it. Because he's feeling exactly what I'm feeling because he's in me and I'm in him. And I'm thinking my thoughts in him and he knows anyway. So we can go talk about it. And every time I come away, there's a peace. I can't explain it. There's a joy. There's, there's something there. Because I know people say, well, you can't approach the king like that. Well, I want to just happen to tell you, the king's my best friend. So you didn't know that, that I'm his beloved. I'm his brother. I'm his best friend. And, but that is, so are you. I used to think, well, that was only for Billy Graham and, and a few of them other high elites. One. But that's for ordinary shire folks from Tassel County and Russell County, just common folks. Come boldly in there and talk to the Father about it. I mean, and you know what? You can't do that unless you know you're loved. And when you know you're loved, then you can, you can be free and you're not trying to manipulate God. You, you can talk to Him and it's okay. You couldn't be closer to Him. That's, that's freedom. And, and in that, let, let me tell you, let me add something here too. In that, there's not a thought of sin. Not a thought of sin. I mean, we've moved beyond sin consciousness. You, you know, I don't go through life picking sins off of me like a monkey picking fleas. Right? Sin got dealt with once and for all. And let me tell you something. The scripture says His blood cleanses us from all sin. That's a continual thing. There, there, there's a fountain opened up in the house of David. It's still flowing. Yes, I, you know, does that mean I can go out here and just sin all I want to? Listen, I don't try to sin, but I just do it. It just happens. I mess it up. I've wondered sometimes how I can get my whole foot in my mouth. I don't know if you guys can do that, but I can get both of them in there. And, it, and you know, a foot sandwich ain't the best thing I, could, I would recommend, but I, I have done it. But I know the blood of Jesus cleanses us. It's a continual thing. Therefore, I can come boldly. I don't have to, wait a minute, i got to pick the sins off of me like a bunch of fleas before I can go in there to the Father. I go in as a mess. I don't, I mean, that's. So I go in with no sense of guilt or condemnation. No sense of keeping the law or breaking the law. I go in there and that freedom of speech and pour it out. And I'm going to tell you what, let a man have that freedom before God and it translates into freedom before men. Boldness before men. And religion can't do that, guys. Religion can't. You, you can smell that a mile off, how they speak, how they don't speak freely. They have this awkwardness, this unnaturalness. You know, they talk about Jesus, but they talk about him awkward. You ever been around anybody that talks about Jesus, but they're awkward? I guarantee you, and I, and I look and I watch and, and you know, knowing Jack and Dot for the, for the years that I've known them. And, 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 you know, Jack was not only her husband, he was her best friend. And she could just talk freely about Jack and just, just whatever. And there was no awkwardness there. No awkwardness there. And see, that's the relationship that we've been called into. And you know what? She knew things about him that none of us will ever know. And you know, that's, that's between them. And there's things that God knows about me that nobody else will ever know. And that's because we're friends. 
And, and there's no awkwardness there. So when you have this, you know, I don't have to get awkward when we talk about Jesus. I can just, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, some people do, and their voice changes. You ever been around some people, and their voice changes, and they start talking about Jesus. They get the preaching voice going on, and they get all this awkwardness going, you know, make them sound spiritual. I'm talking, it's just a natural flow. I'm talking freedom, and, and then God gives you that freedom with other people. And, and religion, just they don't have it. It's, it's not real. It's artificial. It's put on. It's a mask. It's a, it's a pretense. When you press the person, they get awkward. They get embarrassed. But I'm talking realness here. And, and So then I've got to ask the question, why did Paul say, pray that I would be delivered from anything that would stop that? And it's hard for me to think of Paul not being bold. But he even mentions it to the Ephesians and the Colossians. Unless it was a real possibility. He, he says something here. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians here real fast. 1 Corinthians real fast. Chapter 2 verse 1. And brethren when I came to you. I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Why in the world did Paul have to determine? You ever think about that? Why did Paul have to determine not to know anything among them save Jesus Christ? And I mean, why, Paul, would you have to determine to speak freely about Jesus and Him crucified? This has to do with this word bold. Sometimes the word bold is, is used in the face of intimidation. You know, when somebody is, is being, you're being intimidated and you lash back at them, maybe in boldness of speech, you, you know, you, you lash out. That's not, that's not what he's talking about right here. And as we explain this word, uh, i got to tell you this. Why is it that the world, why is it that religion doesn't like the real gospel? And I want to tell you something. It's not because it convicts of sin. And, and that's, that's not it. it. The real gospel says that God is head over heels in love with sinners. Doesn't it? I mean, isn't that the gospel that, that, he, that, that he loves all? I mean, that's, that's the real gospel. The, the reason the world is, is in, intimidated by the real gospel, the reason they're intimidated by real Christians is because the real gospel and, and real Christians are so utterly real. Just, just real. And I know that sounds like, well, wait a minute, you should have got to a point. Listen, you know, down at Tracy's Bank and, and, and a lot of people come in and out of the bank and... and She's told me this. She said, of all these people that comes in there, there's one thing about Jim. He just real. He just real. You know what I mean? He just, he just real. No fake. Just real. And all of this stuff that religion tries to put on, this mask they try to put on, it's like having Christmas in January. And you say, man, is that... Is that what you call joy? Is that what you call happiness? 
And it's, it's, it's a sham. Malcolm told me the story one time about he was going to, to Africa and he was visiting with this tribe over there and they had a king and, and he was going and the king heard. They had very seldom ever seen any white people or anything else. And, and he said when he went to visit this king, he said it was such an oddity because this king had went down to the goodwill and he had gathered up all the clothing articles that he could to try to make himself look royal. And so he had all of these clothes on. He didn't even know where to put them because he didn't even know how to dress like that. So he says he has shorts on his head. and his, He said he went in there and he's just looking at this guy. But this guy is trying to make himself look royal and look like a king because he thought that's what the kings look like. But if he would have ever come to Buckingham Palace and seen something like that, it would have... And I'm telling you, that's why the world and why religion doesn't really want real Christians and real gospel because it makes theirs pale in comparison. I mean, there is a peace that passes understanding. I mean, there's a... Joy. I mean, what does he say? Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, rejoice. He just, Paul is sitting here chained to the Roman guard saying, I will rejoice. I mean, here's Jesus, the author of such real life, real joy. And the world backs off. They don't want that. And guys, that's the temptation. The temptation, that's why Paul determined, because the temptation is to back off and not be so real. Why? So that we can fit in in the world of make-believe. Jesus, Jesus said this way, I mean, you don't take a light and put it under a bed, do you? I mean, who would that would be stupid, wouldn't it? You don't take a light, I mean, that would be crazy. Who would do that? But we're tempted to do that. And sometimes we feel so real in an unreal world that we back off. And, and we do. I mean, do you realize that when you're standing there in the line at the grocery store, you're at work at VDOT, or you're, uh, you know, going to school, uh, Reagan, uh, whatever it is you're doing, you're one with Christ Jesus, the King of Kings, has joined Himself to you. You're complete in Him. The Holy Spirit lives in you and you live in Him. Do you realize that? That's so odd from the world. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Let me back off and squeeze myself back into the mold of the world. Because we don't really like to be odd and like to be weird and an outcast. So we try to fit in and this world is full of anxiety, the world is full of chaos, the world is full of worry. Does God me? Does God love me? Does He not love me? Did I do enough? Did I serve me love? Will I make it in? Will I not make it in? Am I good enough? I mean, do you feel illegal in a world of chaos and a world of anxiety to have the peace of God that passes understanding? I mean, do you feel like Maybe I shouldn't have that. Maybe, I mean, the whole world is, is looking in. Maybe I'll just act like the world. I mean, that's the temptation uh, to, to fall in line with that. I'm going to give you this verse. And this last one right here, Jeff, just two minutes. Uh, this is in, in Romans 
Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. You know what that, that, word, that word conformed? When you, when you came into Christ and you put on Christ, dressed with Christ, the clothes of the world don't fit anymore. And the temptation is, is to try to squeeze back into those old clothes. I'm going to, I'll say it this way. I don't know about you guys. But, I, and I figured this out. You know, the, the COVID shot, you know, some of the side effects. I told you all this before. One of the side effects of the COVID shot, it makes your belly swell. And I believe that. <laughs> it makes your belly swell. So I have a closet Teddy full of clothes that don't fit me anymore. And if y'all are like me, ain't no need to get rid of them because I'll get back in them. Y'all laughing, y'all must do the same thing. Knowing, knowing that ain't gonna happen. You know, if I had to be real, I know that ain't gonna happen. But we do that. See, the temptation is there. But what Paul is saying is don't be conformed. He said you ain't never going to be able to wear them clothes again. Don't be tempted to even try to put them on. That's not who you are. Now I say this, guys, and we, Tracy, as she tells me all this, she, she'll talk about age-appropriate clothes. And you know what? I have seen some, some elderly people wear some clothes that is meant for teenagers. There are certain things that Reagan and Nevaeh can wear that ain't fit for other folks to wear. And there are some things that young men can wear that us old dudes, Tim, we just need to put our flannel shirts on and our boots on and let's just go about our business. There are some things that you used to wear that don't. Paul says, while I'm here in this jail, pray for me that I won't be tempted to go back that they will see the love of Christ manifested whether in my life or whether in my death whether I'm chained to this guy or not chained to this guy that the love of Christ would be shed abroad in all of their hearts right here in this jail too can you see that that is it guys that is it I'm gonna I'm gonna stop with that we'll continue on with this lesson some more next week thank y'all again for the birthday